views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. In the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful, from Muhammad, the messenger of God, to Heraclius, the emperor of Byzantium, greetings to him who is the follower of righteous guidance. I bid you to hear the divine call. I am the messenger of God to the people. Accept Islam for your salvation. He speaks of a new prophet in Arabia. Was it like this when John the Baptist came to King Herod out of the desert, crying about salvation? Muhammad, messenger of God. Who gave him this authority? God sent Muhammad as a mercy to mankind. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, June 16, 2011. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Bond. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into colour, colour into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. And welcome to the show once again, where, as always, the number to call is 519-661-3600, or email us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Interesting show we're going to have today, eh, Robert? Yes, Almost indeed. feels a bit like deja vu all over again. And what we're going to be talking about today is behind the Geert Wilders tour and a bit of expanded discussion on the whole issue of Islam later on in the show. We're going to be hearing more than one side of the issue, despite what you might think from the beginning of the show. But joining us in the studio to kick off the conversation is the Vice President of the Canadian Chapter of the International Free Press Society, IFPS, Mary Lou Ambrosio. No stranger to the show, eh? Nope. Well, welcome to the show. And And joining her today is the Communications Director, also of the International Free Press Society, and that's Al Gretzky. How you doing, Al? You're a first-time one on the show. I'm a first-time one on the show. I'm just glad to be here. Proud to be here with you guys. Well, you folks were behind the whole Geert Wilders tour. Not the only folks, but you were involved in the whole Geert Wilders tour. And I have to tell you, I think the thing that kicked this off for me was a May 16, 2011 article by none other than Warren Kinsella. Yes. And I have my own comments on this, which I'll reserve to myself for a few moments. But I was wondering, you know, this guy here in this in this article, and I just happen to know that, you know, when you're personally involved with something and you know the facts are so different from what you're reading in the paper, yeah. it becomes outrageous isn't even the right word. I don't know. <laughs> and the interesting thing is, after writing all his diatribe against uh, Geert Wilders, and in particular... You organizers, you nasty organizers, yes. you're lying and you're cheating and you're doing all sorts of horrible things. That's correct. Uh, you know, he's telling us that uh, you, you're holding this hate-fest, bald-faced lie to the National Arts Centre in Ottawa about why Hirt Wilders even came there. What was that all about? Well, that was interesting, actually. Uh, we, obvious, obviously, yeah. because we're in London, Al and I, mm-hmm. we need help for the events sure. in other cities. So... Uh, someone who was assisting us actually booked the room. I don't know what the conversation was. Between no, that them. was in Ottawa. <clears throat> for Ottawa, yes. And, and here builders Center. appeared in London. Toronto. Then Toronto. And Ottawa. Then Ottawa. Yep. And then you go to the United Tennessee. States after that. Yep. Which yes. should be mentioned, Bob, that both you and I attended the London one. Yes, so. we were at the London one. Yeah, so 
basically what happened was someone in Ottawa, a friend of ours, booked the room. Um, the day before the Ottawa event, I, ha- I got a phone call. We were rushing out the door on our way to Toronto. <clears throat> and I got a phone call from the woman who uh, I had been periodically speaking with about the room, who I made the payment to. No in-depth conversations with her at any point. <clears throat> and she suddenly said, who is speaking <laughs> at, uh, at the event? And I said, why? She said, well, it, it, we're, we're getting some emails and uh, there are some concerns about the person who is speaking. And I said, why does it matter? It's, it's, uh, he's a Dutch MP. That is all the information I gave. Uh, but then I passed it on. I said, look, if you need more information, please talk to the person who actually booked the room. And uh, so what he said to her, I don't know. Apparently, he did say something about he's coming to celebrate a tulip festival. But let's think about the reason why he said that. Mm-hmm. We knew basically what they were doing was because they were getting pressure, they were get, receiving emails, their in the end game was that they were probably going to try and cancel the event. So he felt that he should try and avoid that, considering it was going to be the next day. So apparently he said something to her about a tulip festival. I, I, I guarantee you I would not have done that. I would have simply said, he's a Dutch politician, he's an elected MP, he's coming here to speak. Which end of discussion. Say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the actual line from Warren Kinsella was, the organizers of Wilder's Ottawa Hate Fest are bald-faced lied, uh, bald-faced lied to the uh, NAC about what the speech was about. Not true. They said it was part of Ottawa's Tulip Festival, which it wasn't. Well, how can it? Why? Why wouldn't it be? Anything can be part of a Tulip sure Festival. As a matter of fact, I mean, when uh, Herr Wilders was here, it part of the tulip he actually festival. congratulated um, Canadians <clears throat> for helping uh, free the Dutch from the uh, Nazis. Um, so, in a sense, he the was... The timing was such that, yeah, yeah, that was much on his mind. He mentioned it at every event. They just celebrated his 60th anniversary. But I think, yeah, that's, so it's, it's, it is actually true. But yeah. the thing I think that we have to take away from this is that there has to be a degree of skepticism and uh, paranoia when it comes to bringing people um, into Canada who are controversial in their views, who uh, go against the liberal... Uh, multi-culti uh, philosophy and who could face expulsion, uh, ridicule, hate, violence from the powers that be, from people like Mr. Kinsella, who are writing... Um, I've just got, I have a list here. I just want to say for a second that in Mr. Kinsella's article, I've made a list of all of the slurs yes. and the oh, name-calling. Yeah. I that wonder he, if yours is longer than mine. Well, I, I went through <laughs> it, and it didn't take long to get a list. Let me see. There's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve slurs against Mr. Wilders, which um, all of them are, of course, incorrect. But here they are. Muslim hating. White supremacist. Mm-hmm. I've thug. never, ever heard him say anything no. about no, color, no, ever. No, of course not. Thug. Lunatic. Aryan poster boy. Mm-hmm. Leech. Neo-Nazi, Islamophobe, liar, nutcase, Muslim hater, and a spewer of virulent hate. Yes. Did you get any more than that, Bob? Yes. I got lots more. What about creep? He wasn't... Well, not only that, but he didn't just call... I found that He didn't call just here at Wilders all those names. He called us names, too. Apparently, we're Islamophobes, if yeah. you admire anything the man does. Mm-hmm. And then he here's a sampling of what he, I quote, a sampling of what Heert Wilders has been saying. Uh, quote, Islam is not a religion, it's an ideology. Well, he didn't say that. He says, Islam is not a religion like other religions. 
Okay, now, if you want to, you know, take a, a sampling, I could take one word out of ten different paragraphs and put them together and yeah. say anything I want, and that's what he's done. I, he I he takes out the, all the adjectives and everything, you know. That, that, and, and the white supremacist uh, statement is com- is so outrageous, but I, but it's also kind of funny, because if you, if you know a lot about Geert Wilders, you know that there are some white supremacists who also hate him. Why? Because... There's a suggestion. Somebody apparently did a, uh, Who hate a background. Builders, you mean? They hate yeah. builders because he's part Indonesian. Apparently, had a a Jewish uh, Indonesian grandmother. <laughs> now, talk about irony. So, well. what is it? But but the bottom line is, as you said, Bob, he has never expressed any any statements which could conceivably be regarded as seeing himself as a white supremacist and besides the fact that islam is a religion it's not a race it's comprised of people of all skin colors (laughs) we've got the chechnyans somebody should tell mr kinsella that you can be a white muslim but but you Mm -hmm. know you know here we are and we're falling in for in the trap too aren't we we're talking about here at builders and we should be talking about the warren kinsellas these are the problem yes muslim and 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 islam is not the problem the problem is liberalism and when i look at this i see um, you got to know this guy's background. He says, did, did Wilders win any supporters on his Canadian-speaking tour? I doubt it. For one of my books, Web of Hate, I interviewed Jim Keegstra, Ernst Sundel, and virtually every neo-Nazi and white supremacist leader in North America. So this is how he associates. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Tells you the got nothing yeah. to do with anything. He's no. also interviewed Ignatiev and Kretchen, yeah. too. <laughs> but in so doing, he says, I found nothing I could say that would condemn Keegstra Zundel et al. as effectively as their own words. So why don't you give us a few of their words so we can condemn them, too? But we don't. And you know what? You could say the same thing about all the Muslim representatives. Absolutely. You could say nothing condemns them better than their, than own, their own words, words, as we will be hearing today. Yes. But, um, which, which, by the way, incidentally, I'd also like to mention, he... he re- references George Galloway yes. in that article. A couple of problems with that. Number one is he says he, he continues the myth, the lie that George Galloway was denied entry in 2009. Yes. That is not true. That's right. He didn't even try to come because they uh, made a, uh, I, I think they attempted to get a visa and they were told that there, there might be problems because of George Galloway's association with terrorists and assisting with fundraising. That is a legitimate reason for the Canada uh, Border Service Of course, we want to keep the anti-Zionists, we want to keep the terrorist fundraisers out of this country. Absolutely. Now, my personal opinion, let George Galloway in. I don't care. Nothing condemns him more than his own words. Correct. And they're all over the internet for anybody who cares to take a look. Having said that, I, I also, I believe in rule of law and I believe in, you know, our system. And our system is such that the Canada Border Guard, Service Border Guard, they have their own, they can make their own determination about who should be allowed in the country or not. And again, I think the other awful, awful thing about the article was his trying to connect everything to the Conservative Party. It had absolutely nothing to do with the Conservative Party. And if I was to make an overall assessment of this article, it was all about taking a stab at the Conservatives, which is since Warren Kinsella is well, a well, that's the headline. strategist. That's the headline. Exactly. Of the, now, this is what kills me. He says, after saying all those horrible things, he says, besides, Wilders isn't really the issue here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he goes, a more salient issue for Canadians is the kind of government we can and should expect for the next four years. And then he targets Har- the Harper yeah. Conservatives' highly selective Completely outrage. Completely incoherent, honestly. Which, which means nothing. No. 
But I would want to be selective. I would want to pick the good guys and the, from the bad guys, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now, just to put something in perspective, I, 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 if I can just jump in here, Bob, um, about the conservative-liberal dichotomy here is that, first of all, if anybody wants to find Mr. Kinsella's article, I would actually encourage you to come out and read this particular piece of vitriolic hate, mm-hmm. uh, using his words. Um, Harper Tories Selective in Their Outrage is the title of the article. You can Google it and find it, not a problem. Now, while... Mary Lou is correct that the Conservatives had absolutely nothing to do with Mr. Um, Wilders coming to Canada, much to their, you know, it's too bad for them because, you know, Mr. Wilders was an excellent speaker and he had some excellent things to say. Mr. Kinsella, on the other hand, can quite accurately be called a spokesman for the Liberal Party of Canada and liberalism in Canada. He was a Liberal candidate in 97. He was Michael Ignatieff's war room head. Um, in that failed election of Mr. Ignatiev. I found it ironic as well that Mr. Kinsella wrote a book called um, "Political Strate- The War Room, Political Strategies for Business, NGOs, and Anyone Who Wants to Win. Mm. <laughs> yeah. This from the person who lost Ignatiev and decimated the Liberal Party. But anyway, um, he's, he's been involved with Mr. McGinty's campaign. He's been involved in Jean Chrétien's campaign, Mr. Ignatiev's campaign. He's a liberal and if anything you can take from this, uh, what we're talking about today, is Mr. Kinsella is a very good representative of liberalism in Canada today. And he, not Islam, not Muslims, not Mr. Wilders, is, as you said before, Bob, the problem that we have you know, here in Canada. Every time Robert and I have brought up the issue, and, and it's, it's, like, it's like we relearn it each time, you know, we, we, we start from scratch. And whenever we do the Muslim issue and the problem with Islam in North America, it always ends up we're talking about the lack of... It's liberalism. We call it that general, that general thing of liberalism, where all ideas are equal, all cultures are equal, all um, evil is is equal to good, uh, and indifference is equal to caring, and and all that. that Well, and of course, what's what's very funny about it, you're absolutely right. He could he stands as a proxy for the morally relativistic liberal view of the the important issues that Geert was here to discuss, Um, and of course. That was the whole point of the event was to discuss multiculturalism and moral relativism and cultural relativism and the problems. So um, apparently, you know, Warren, the, uh, isn't it kind of funny that that's, he was just so hostile to the discussion. Well, um, you noticed that in his article, he, he cites not one fact, not one salient no. thing that Mr. Wilders has brought up to, to, to either refute it or condemn it or even support it, right? right? So what has he done? So I think that might make right now a very good time to compare what Mr. Kinsella has just said about Geert Wilders <laughs> with what Mr. Wilders says himself. So we're going to go for a break, and when we come back, we shall continue the conversation. Barack Obama has been the subject of criticism by many in his approach in dealing with the war on terror. What is your feedback regarding Barack Obama? Um, I'm not here to, <laughs> to criticize um, either Canada or the United States. I'm a Dutch politician, and I talk about Islam. Um, uh, uh, you know, Canada, as the United States, um, are um, democracies. And um, 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 whatever I believe uh, or think about uh, Obama or about your prime minister, uh, your elections, um, you are a, dem- a democratic country and you should decide for yourselves. I comment uh, on either, uh, I'm a European politician, so about Europe or about countries that are not a democracy and why I feel I have a responsibility. 
Um, so um, I'm not here to criticize your government or the um, US uh, government, but what I will say to all of them is that please wake up because the elephant in the room is not only in Europe. What, happening, what is happening in Europe today with the Islamization will happen here in Canada, is happening here in Canada and in the United States as well. And if you don't wake up and if you want to preserve your freedom, if you want your children and your grandchildren to live in a free Canada and in a free United States, um, you will have to act. Don't forget, last week in the Netherlands we celebrated, as we do every year, we celebrated the Liberation Day after the Second World War. It's, and it's a national holiday. And there were so many Canadian soldiers at that time, especially Canadians, who helped, who gave their life, Canadian heroes, for the freedom of the Netherlands. And I would say that it would be so sad that um, um, instead of respecting them, and we respect them a lot for that, that after 60, 70, 80 years later, we again lost our freedoms um, for another totalitarian ideology called Islam. So also for them, we should fight to preserve our freedom. And what is happening in Europe will also happen to Canada and to the United States. So people have to wake up, see what it is, don't get um, angry or violent to Muslims, but see what Islam really stands for and make a choice. Do you fight for your own culture, which once again is based on Christianity or Judaism or humanism, with all the values that, was, that we share, that are tolerant, that are non-violent, or do we choose to have more of an ideology that goes for violence, for domination, and um, uh, for all the things that we uh, do not wish to have in our societies. Ever since the release of the film Fitna, is your life in danger? And tell us what that's been like for you. Well, um, I live um, this year for seven years now under um, threats, under protection. My wife and I lived in prison cells, in army barracks, in safe houses. I had to wear wigs, mustaches, change places every few days. And um, um, so yeah, unfortunately, um, um, my life is in danger. In the process of fighting for freedom, um, I lost my own freedom. Uh, it's something that you would not wish your worst enemy uh, to have, to have no privacy. If I go and see someone, I have to tell the special police, the royal police, if you're diplomatic police in Holland, uh, two days in advance where I go, everybody who I'm seeing, and I'm talking only talking about in, in the Netherlands, abroad it's even more difficult. But I'm not complaining about that, um, um, because it's not about me, it's about the fight for freedom. And I know one thing, if I would moderate my voice, or if I would leave politics, that the people who use non-democratic means, the people who want to kill you, the people who use threats, they would win. And um, I will never, ever let people who use non-democratic means win. I'm a democratic elected politician, I have a mission, I fight for freedom, and even though I lost in the process my own freedom, I will never give in to people. Um, I will debate anybody, inside parliament, outside parliament, but I will never give in to people who use um, um, undemocratical means. Welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW, where we're joined by Mary Lou Ambrosio and Al Gretzky in the studio today talking about the recent Wilders tour. Al, 
You don't seem like uh, an Islamophobe. You certainly haven't had that kind of uh, reputation in town. You've been a candidate for other parties and run locally. What what attracted you to this whole movement and the whole free speech movement and and perhaps Hirt Wilders himself? Uh, I think you just said it, the whole free speech movement. Mm -hmm. It really comes down to the fact that... um, as, as I was campaigning, uh, one of the things that you, you hear from people all the time is to say, well, be careful what you say about that. Be careful what you say about this. Don't get associated here. Don't get associated. Well, why can't you? Uh, as in the case of Wilders, I keep hearing the, the question of why did he say the things that he said? My response is always the same. Why can't he say the things he said? And he's never said anything hateful, despicable, or what was it you said, Robert, the vile... Uh, virulent. Virulent, yeah. yes. I mean, there's a lot of reasons you can pick to disagree with some of his policies, but to, to, to say any of the things that I hear from Kinsella here is outrageous. Yes, and, and so because of all of those things, it, it came down to the fact of it is time for us to start looking and saying, we're losing here. We're losing big time. Um, I know that in Holland, they, their law basically states that even if what you say is true, that's irrelevant. They can still convict you of offending somebody even if what you said is true. Truth is no defense. Exactly. Yes. So, and, until and, you upset that matters. Yeah. yeah. And, and here, we're almost to the same point here with the HRCs that if you say something that offends someone, it's almost irrelevant if what you say is true or not. If you've offended somebody... HRC can climb up your back and take everything that you have. That's a scary premise, and I want to join the organization and say we have to put an end to that nonsense. Fascinating. By the way, um, the clips we just heard um, with uh, Hirt Builders there were originally broadcast just this past weekend on CTS, interviewed by Christine Williams. And um, we'll be hearing a little bit more about that a little later on in the show as well. Now... You know, when I when I look at where, where are you going to from here? What is is there? Is this over? Is this uh, going to continue? Are we going to hear more from here at Builders? Oh, in Canada, I mean, or possibly? Yeah. Um, you know, this was uh, as you can imagine, we did a lot of uh, planning for the event because we knew we'd run into uh, resistance, and we made this one a private event for several reasons, um, not the least of which that we didn't want to. Um, basically give our enemies time to, to organize mount a, and, an effective campaign and to stop throw him. bricks and Absolutely. stuff like they often do yeah <laughs> um ideally we want him to come back where we can advertise broadly and have a huge public event and let anybody come and see him without huge worries and if that happens that's great but i think people should realize that you were also instrumental in bringing ann coulter yes. to this country and we saw the result of what happens yeah. when you advertise a controversial speaker like Ann Coulter coming mm-hmm. to a university when she was actually shut out of speaking in Ottawa for fear of uh, violence. Yes, and one of the, actually another interesting point was Fred Litwin, who's from Free Thinking Film Society. He uh, held an event on Caledonia in um, March, I believe it was. And just prior to that, he had the screening of Uranium, which was also almost shut down. The Caledonia event, his ticket sellers started getting threats, emails, phone calls, stop selling those tickets. Uh, and one, one, uh, one threat basically said, uh, if you don't stop selling those tickets, we'll throw bricks through your window. So one of the ticket sellers has now told Fred, I won't sell tickets for your events anymore. 
only if it's a musical event, but not none of the speaking events. So now think about that. Uh, so this is the new, there are the various uh, strategies they, they take, human rights commissions, hate speech, um, lawfare, and now mm-hmm. this one, attack the venue. And we did, again, we did experience a little bit of that with uh, the National Arts Centre. Again, I think what we can take from this is, for example, when Warren Kinsella calls Geert Wilders, and by <laughs> association, us in this room, yes. neo-Nazis and white supremacists, right. what kind of an image does that portray to people except th- uh, violence? thuggery. And where do we see this violence, thuggery, intimidation, innuendo come from? We see it come from the liberals. We see it come from the people who support official multiculturalism. We see it come from Mr. Kinsella. So I have to ask the question, who is the neo-Nazi out there? Absolutely. And and they're so confident that they're right. Yeah, absolutely. That the the end justifies the means. And they don't see the the contradiction and the the irony. I don't see Mr. Builder's supporters out there threatening violence. I don't see people from the International Free Press Society out there calling up people, intimidating them, threatening to smash their windows or beat them up. But we see it from the multiculturalists. We see it from because their position is so weak and so pathetic that they cannot defend it. You know, I was thinking about this last night, and isn't it interesting that when the left sees a vague association between two inanimate things, okay, like, say, CO2 and climate change or something like that. We've got to take immediate action, mm-hmm. precautionary principle. You know, even if their actions do further harm, they don't care. But when an association is very clear, like between Islamists and violence, who even openly declare their violence and intentions to be violent, Anyone who urges action, who urges precaution against this outrageous violence is a pariah and has to be condemned as a wacko. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah, no, there's something terribly wrong. And yeah, as you said, we we see some of the radical Islamists with signs that say behead those who insult Islam. Why won't they listen to them? (laughs) Why aren't they noticing these hateful things they're saying? Uh, but as you said, I mean, the, 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 the uh, strategy for them is simply to label us haters. Uh, but as I said in my comments in Ottawa, we're not the haters. Uh, we actually, uh, we want to stop the haters. Uh, and I thought one of the other funny things, of course, was, I don't know if uh, in March 2011, Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. um, decided to make protests uh, illegal. And how, how ironic is that? Of course, we have protesters are at our events protesting someone like Geert, who wants to preserve their freedom to protest. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, in Saudi Arabia, they're making protesting illegal. So who's wrong here? I'm. Now, do you have uh, any um, insight into the, some of the background that went into bringing Geert builders to Canada? For example, there was a, a to-do apparently with a journalist who was told not to particularly. Uh, publish anything. Would you have any insight into that? What oh, are you referring to Jennifer uh, Ewan? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. Basically what happened there was um, we we received some criticism uh, from both the left and the right about being selective with media. And I'm here to tell you that, yes, we were. And the reason is, as you mentioned, if, if, the, if our goal is to have people debate and discuss unpolitically correct issues, um, we can only do that if people aren't immediately resistant. Uh, so we didn't want headlines, blaring headlines like radical right-wing extremist comes to Canada. We don't need that. So we did speak to 
uh, we did uh, speak with journalists who we thought would at least give him a fair hearing and let him say, report what he did say, not what they wanted people to think he said. And I think that's fair. So Jennifer Ewan uh, actually found her way into one of these meetings. She was not invited uh, with uh, several other journalists. And rather than kick her out, they basically said, okay, yes, fine, you can, you can stay, but here are the ground rules. The first part of the meeting is just general discussion after which you will have your opportunity to interview Mr. Wilders. Well, she was taking notes during the time that was meant to be just sort of a casual get to know each other. So those notes were not um, meant to be, those, those, that discussion was not meant to be reported. Why doesn't matter. The bottom line is the ground rules were given. Mm-hmm. You can sit here with the others during this friendly event or friendly discussion. Yeah, Robert and I were given the same ground rules when, get, when, when we went in. And, well, this is what kills me. And, mm-hmm. and apparently now off the record is not considered a legitimate. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have done that too. There, and there are reasons. There are sometimes very good reasons so for off the record. So she was basically trespassing and yes. crashing a private event yes. and then gets upset when uh, the event organizers lay down some rules as to her attendance. And Pretty then much. what happens is all of us get all uh, you know, misled and, and misdirected with that issue when the big issue is sitting right on our laps. And that's well, what we've exactly. got to look at right and now. And that, that was the point of us saying, yes, we're going to be selective in media. We want the discussion, sure. not the distraction. Well, considering what's happening in the Mideast right now, what we're about to hear during this next break... Um, This was actually aired only five weeks after 9-11, and it's from a show that had its own problems with freedom of speech, and that's Bill Mayer's Politically Incorrect. And what's fascinating about what we're about to hear is that Bill Mayer says many of the very same things that Geer Wilders is saying. And he is in debate. He'll introduce the guests himself with four Muslim students, and this was just five weeks after 9-11, we'll be back on the other side of the break and continue our discussion and broaden it into the broader issue of Islam. This is a special show I wanted to do for some time. We have with us tonight four students, American students, all of the Islamic faith. Am I correct about that? Yes, uh, yes. Okay. First, I have a junior from Occidental College with filmmaking and political aspirations, <laughs> Ali Hassan. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you they were American students. <laughs> to his right is a writer with a graduate degree from UCLA in policy studies, Zahir Jomahamid. Did I say that correctly? Zahir Mohammed. I didn't Close say enough. it correctly, but I gave it a shot, and that's what's important. Uh, a senior at Occidental College, president of their Muslim Student Association, Rali Badisi. Did I say that? Better? Okay. And finally, an activist and communications director for the Muslim Public Affairs Council, Sarah Elton Tawi. How was that? I'm giving it my best. Um, My first question, and we are trying to understand each other, is uh, do you think this show could take place at all in any Muslim country? Yes. Sure. Al Jazeera. Really? Al Jazeera is the new democratic uh, network that's based in Qatar. They have really? all kinds of crazy shows. So you shows. feel like you can say anything here, even in America as Muslims? Well, I don't feel in America you could even say anything otherwise. I mean, I could sit here and say, you know, kill babies or something like that, of course. But at the same time, in an Arab country, what you can do is very much, it fits within cultural values to speak about these sort fits of things. Fits within cultural values. Okay. Well, Bill, well, you fail well, to realize that Malaysia, Indonesia, and Singapore are Islamic countries and territories that. as well. And those are very open societies. Really? Now, whether this show could take place in 
I believe they are, but I, I had last night on Bishop Spong, and he has a book called A New Christianity for a New World. And I said, I don't think you could print a book called A New Islam for a New World that talked about very heretical ideas about Islam. Could well, you? Well, what I would question is that... Could in, you? In, could you print that? Well, yes, well there's no such book? thing as a new Islam bill, but the problem whoa, whoa. is there's what, a. But there's can a, you think that and print that? No, but there's Absolutely the problem can. is you we got to interpret it correctly. The problem is there's this misconception around the world that the enemy of Muslims is Jews or Americans. The enemy is not them. It's the Taliban. It's the Ayatollah, Saddam Hussein. No, no. It's these guys who are perverting our religion asking, and taking the Quran and rewriting a new one. They're writing a new one. What I'm getting at is I don't think there is freedom of thought. You're right. There isn't. There Thank isn't the you. kind of freedom of thought in the Arab world that is necessary for a society, for a culture that is so complex and rich as the Arab world. The Arab world, the Muslim world, is run by despots. It's run by uh, a bunch of criminals, and they are spreading, such as the Taliban is an no, example of spreading true. their political ideologies. No, the leadership of the Arab world, one by one, are crooks. You're and characterizing we know the entire this, Arab world. That's, why, sorry, that's no. why our families have come here. And that does not mean, however, that the entire Arab world should be condemned. That doesn't mean that this is the fault right. of Islam. That is incorrect. This is not a theological issue. There are progressive is Arab countries. We need to realize that. There are countries like Tunisia today, which and are building democratic governments. They are increasingly, increasingly... Morocco? Morocco, Tunisia, Morocco Egypt has to a an king. extent. Morocco has a popular you would, you would king that who protects civil liberties. Wait a second. Having a king is progressive? It's well, a popular king. They didn't want well, a better French... better than having a tyrant. I think the, bill, the, the key thing is that if we look at Islam carefully, and if we look at the totality of Islam, the beauty of Islam is that Islam has, a, has been able to adapt to the contours of multiple cultures. So you have vibrant Muslim communities in Indonesia and China and Africa. So and if you visited these cultures, the, beauty thing, the beautiful thing you see is that Islam has been able to intertwine itself with these cultures, embrace the, the existing culture, and add its Islamic, they Islamic values. And those cultures bill, there's a difference, by though. the sword. That was no, a Holocaust okay. happening. Bill, Muhammad bill. and his followers were being killed because they were practicing Islam. That, is that was a Holocaust taking yeah, place, and they, and they went Islam, to battle for it. It, it, comes from, it comes from an inability to understand okay, Islamic the history. The idea that Islam was spread by the sword is simplistic, okay? Yeah, there is, I mean, depending on what period of history that you're talking about and in what part of the world, Islam moved in. It took 400 years, for example, for Islam to conquer Egypt and for the adherents to slowly take on Islam. Islam has, it's, it's a vibrant religion, it's, it's dynamic like any other piece of history. Dynamic means it changes. I don't know, Christianity went through a reformation Correct. where it sort of became more tolerant. In Christianity, if you're a heretic, they don't kill you. But, but, but In also, Islam, I don't think you could make the same claim. In democracy, so religions are not all the in same. Let's look at anti-Semitism anti in the early, early 1900s. Absolutely. Exactly. Now, now, now the example of anti-Semitism, when Jews are f facing persecution in Russia, and excuse me, in Europe, where they went first and foremost was to what was then Palestine. And you can read a great book by Ron David about this. He says the reason they went to Palestine is because Jews historically have been treated better under Muslim nations you are like correct. Palestine Solomon. and like Muslim Spain. That is so correct. So, for example, so the, the crucial thing to remember is that, indeed, there have been, there have been episodes in, in Islamic history, as there have been in Christian history and Jewish history, that are abominable. But there, but there are also examples in which Islam went and... But we're talking about present 
day, okay? Present day, Christianity did have its inquisition. It did have its horrible times. Okay. But today, you can be a heretic, and they don't kill you. A bishop just got married. The pope called him in his office and said, Hey, what are you doing? We're Catholics. We don't marry when we're bishops. Okay, and the guy, whatever he did, I don't think you could get away with that kind of stuff. Twenty years ago in the Muslim world, you could be a heretic and they wouldn't kill you. Something has happened in the past two decades, something that's not religious, because this is an exactly. old religion. It's, it's 1,400 years old. You can't leaders. tell me that it hasn't changed at all in 1,400 years. It has. There's been something that's gone on in the past 20 years or more, and it's political. It's not religion. And the more we talk about religion, the more off the topic we We're get. Like, the very, the very how, question, how can you say it's off the topic? It's off the topic. They, they want us to you believe cannot. And welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be with you from now till noon. And we're in studio with Mary Lou Ambrosio and Al Gretzky of the International Free Press Society, talking about the Hirt Wilders tour that was recently in Canada. Any comments on what you just heard? Uh, or insights, well, sir? <laughs> I, the one th I didn't hear all of it, but the one thing that stuck out for me was the comment about how there are instances where Jews were treated better in Muslim mm -hmm. societies. I mean, I find all of that very interesting. I would, I would like people, people to read the Quran, I guess, <laughs> um, before they decide. I, I, I think there are people like Salim Mansour who are academics who can make an argument about uh, historically Islam not being what it is now and being better uh, and more open. That's probably true. But I think what's really important for us right now is to deal with what's in front of us right now. That's much more pressing and urgent. We can have the discussions in times of uh, leisure, but um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, as I say, I think I think there are some pressing concerns we need to deal with now with the reality that's in front of us now. Mm. Um, I, I just wanted to make a point, though, I, I missed the Please. chance to... When Joe Warmington's article, mm -hmm. um, you know, at one point he says, uh, he says, um, Wilders is entitled to this free speech in Canada, but I figure if you want to be really tough, drop the seven-member security detail and deal with the realities of what comes from the views you espouse. What a horrifying wow. thought. Basically, Joe Warmington is apparently Sharia compliant, and would like the rest of us to be as well. So Does he'd he like understand? To see physically <clears throat> attacked. Apparently. Does he understand what he's saying? He, he's accepting Islam's criticism of Geert, Geert uh, you know, and uh, consigning him to. Uh -huh. uh, so it's, it's rather remarkable, really, when you yes. think about it. And that is a Canadian journalist. By the way, I think Joan Warmington well, just covered the Mumbai the event with the uh, the, the Mumbai uh, terrorist, mm -hmm. um, and it was interesting. I was listening to him talk about it. I would love to speak with him now, after having covered that event, and ask if his views have changed because I, I definitely heard in his in his voice and in his reports, real shock about what he may have seen. So, mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it speaks to the whole issue of liberalism being the problem. Maybe the person's joining us now, by telephone from Toronto might agree with us or not agree with us i don't know john are you there yes i am and this is john thompson no 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 see or no stranger to the show again you've been here several times first time by phone i think eh, john 
That's true. Yeah, president of the McKenzie Institute, and you're the country's one of the country's foremost experts on terrorism and all those yucky things like violence and and the things we don't want to talk about. Have you been listening to the show so far, John? Yeah, although I just want to say one correction. Uh, we're, we're making a few changes here, so I'm sort of stepping aside. Besides, into, besides uh, my besides my uh, mispronunciation of Bill Bill Maher's name. <laughs> okay, Go ahead. No, I just uh, want to say I'm, I'm not the president anymore. I'm just doing the. Uh, uh, we've got someone else starting to fill in. Was that right? Oh yeah, I wasn't even aware of that. Anyway. Okay. So what's your what what have you did you hear any of that debate about? Islam there and, and some of the history of it. Well, that sort of comes to one point about is Islam that, uh, well, we don't know that much about it. That's also true for many Muslims. They don't know much about it. There's an interesting uh, point. E- e- even though it's their own religion. I mean, uh, most Muslims aren't Arabs uh, and can't read the Koran. And even if you are fluent in Arabic, uh, the Koran is locked into uh, sort of the 1,400-year-old uh, Arabian argot of that time and place. Uh, it's sort of like you and I trying to uh, read Beowulf in the, in Anglo-Saxon. Or the Bible know, in Latin. Um, yeah. Well, actually, the Bible, remember, is a melange of uh, archaic Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. Correct. And, and we're always constantly reinterpreting it, but that's the understanding in the most sacred literature of most religions is that their works are written by man, maybe inspired, uh, divinely inspired, but still human. The Koran is supposed to be the dictations that Muhammad received uh, from an archangel, and if that is the language that uh, the communication from God was being received in, <laughs> it can't be changed. And so is that... And, and that means that most people actually, most people who are Muslims can't even really read their, their own literature. And I, as I understand it, it is Muslim doctrine more or less that no translation of the Quran is actually accepted. Yeah, and that, that's sort of, I've, I've had fun with that when I've made uh, some critical remarks about the contents of the Quran. And they say, well, so do you speak Arabic? And I say, no. And they said, well, then you don't know what's in there. And I said, I, you know, I, I don't speak Latin, and I've read Caesar's commentaries. And I, I don't speak medieval court Japanese, and I've read the pillow books of Seishanagon. And, you know, I don't speak ancient Babylonian, yet I've read the Epic of Gilgamesh. What's your point? So what was his point? <laughs> well, I think the, the counterpoint was, if it's supposed to be a universal message for all mankind, and it's supposed to be translatable, but if it isn't, and it can't be translated, then it's just a message for 6th century Arabs. And the question is, what's anyone else doing uh, following that? Now, John, did you follow the um, Hirt Wilders uh, visit to Canada? Do you have any observations about that? Um, he's, he's got my admiration. Um, and uh, I've read some of his other speeches, and he's... Uh, um, you know, there's the, the easy characterization that he's somehow supposed to be some dangerous right-wing bigot, and I don't see that at all. I see a very fair, um, fair-minded uh, and, and open person, but he is being blunt, uh, warning about what's occurring, and he's reminding us of some very simple home truths. He, he's representing, uh, I think he's sort of the leading edge of the new um, um the new culture that's starting to emerge. You know, the, for the last 40 years, we've been a sort of a postmodernist intellectual, social, political uh, culture. And uh, I guess it was best described by a, 
the late Christopher Lash in his last book, 1995, The Revolt of the Elites and the Betrayal of Democracy, the new trend that's coming, uh, for good or for ill, is sort of the counter-revolt of the commons. And, and Wilders is one of these people who's sort of saying, hello, you know, the, the emperor is naked, he's not wearing new clothing, this multiculturalism is not working for us, we cannot tolerate the intolerant. Um, you know, we've got to get real about the situation we're facing. As an expert on terrorism, would you think that perhaps we in Canada should now focus inwardly at people who are using violent tactics to prevent people like Mr. Wilders from speaking in this country and calling him incorrectly neo-Nazi and white supremacist, people um, who are uh, intimidating free speech? Would would that be should, should that be the focus now of anti-terrorist organizations like yourselves? Well, actually, here's some news for you. Uh, the police hate squad teams are looking at the opposition to the Wilders' uh, uh, appearances. Oh. Uh, they're the police with the latitude to go after people who uh, express ideological hatred. Well, I don't know that so, that's a good thing either. I, I don't know if I like the idea of the police hate squad. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, remember the, uh, the these things were set up to sort of go after uh, you know, neo Nazis and white supremacists and things, but they actually have the latitude to go after anybody who uses an ideology to espouse hate and to promote violence, which now means they're often looking into what could be described as a extreme left-wing group. Well, well, you know, you bring up a good point, John. We're going to take a quick break now to hear again from uh, Kurt Wilders on CTS is on the front line with, um, um, Christine Williams. with Christine Williams, but also on the other side of this break, we will be hearing from, also from the same show, Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever in debate with Ijaz Tahir, who is the Secretary General of the Islamic Circle of North America. And, um, I think Paul McKeever might be saying something a little different about the whole issue of hate than what you just said. So let's listen in, and when we come back, we'll carry on the conversation. We'll be right back. We talk about street terror being exerted by Muslims in Dutch cities. Can you explain what that is? Well, um, everybody is talking about, and I understand it because it's a serious uh, global problem, about Islamic terrorism. But the average people um, in my country um, have more problems uh, with uh, what I call the street terrorism. And in many cities in Holland, whether it's in Amsterdam, in Rotterdam, in Gouda, or in any other cities, there is a lot of crime uh, committed uh, by young um, Moroccans, uh, uh, often, not only Moroccans, but they are a very big part of that. And what they are doing, they are making um, um, life hell uh, for the neighborhood. They are committing crimes. They are beating up uh, drivers from uh, buses. Um, they are uh, tearing apart um, young girls from their bicycles, they are uh, beating up uh, homosexuals in the street of Amsterdam. They are doing the worst thing ever and we should not accept that um, anymore. We should have stiff penalties. Also here again, if you abide by our laws, there is no problem. But if you overstep the mark, there is a problem and we have a major problem. If you look at the statistics, I'm not inventing this, if you look at the crime statistics in Holland, you see that many of those groups are overrepresented in 5, 10, even sometimes 20 times more uh, crime committed than uh, the indigenous people.
Welcome back to On the Front Line. I, Jazz, continue what you were saying. Thank you. Um, I just want to make a very quick point, as you said in bullets, that uh, uh, going back to the Mr. Wilder's uh, interview that I don't hate Muslims, I hate Islam. So you see, the hate is the starting point for, for something which you, he, he's trying to achieve. That will not work. That's totally un-Canadian. And in, in Canadian perspective, we talk about oh, I, nobody I, will, will, will agree on that. And the second thing is that he says, no, there's no moderate Islam. So, and at the same time, he says, majority of the people, uh, Muslim people, they're law-abiding citizens, they're, they're nice people and all that. So there are clearly contradictions. He's contrasting the text, though, the text yeah. from the people. He's saying that the text is political and it calls for jihad, but there are those that are peace-loving, and we need to make that distinction. Absolutely, Paul, yeah. The, it's, distinction. Absolutely, it's absolutely correct that you should hate, for example, Mein Kampf, if it recommends the murder of Jews. It's, it's absolutely appropriate you should hate any text that recommends doing any evil. It's not wrong to judge. In fact, that's the problem with multicultural that he's addressing, you have to be free, you have to have the freedom of speech to condemn evil. And if there are evil aspects in any text, whether it's religious or not, you should be free at all times in a democracy to say so. And you must say so for the protection of freedom. But you see, even what Terry Jones said, I think it's abhorrent what he did. You, you, don't, you don't burn a Koran to provoke people. However, it still is democratic right. And the fact that people will be afraid for their life for doing this, when the Bible gets burnt in other countries, it, it gets spat on, it gets used as toilet paper. Why are people having to face fear for their lives if they decide to do something that might offend Islam? Because the government is not coming to their aid. It's not defending their life, their liberty, and their property. It's saying we must appease those who would use violence against us. I think our politicians are failing us. I think our governments are failing us. And we need people that will stand up and say no. If someone does something that's going to arouse the passions of a few, a handful of rowdy people, the police should be there to protect them. The government shouldn't be there to condemn them. I just, we need to fight against that. Does a person have the right to come out and criticize Muhammad publicly if he or her so choose, chose? Well, we have uh, hate, uh, hate speech laws. Yes, in we this do. Country. But if you wanted to say something against Muhammad, do you believe that you should have the right to come out and say it? The right to come out and say it? Well, as I said, uh, uh, I would say it again that the, uh, Mr. Wilders is most welcome to come back here and but I'm say whatever. You. I'm asking you. Say do you whatever feel he wants that you should to, have that right? He wants to say. And then the hate speech. I mean, I'm not deciding here. Authorities have decided. We have laws. And anybody who, and I agree with Mr. Wilders, anybody who crosses that line I just, should be, I respect should not you fully be. for coming on, but you didn't answer my question, whether you feel you should have the right to criticize Muhammad if you, you chose. I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. It was great having you on. And that's all the time we have. See you again next time. And so it goes. What do you think of that, John? Because, um, because yeah. there, there you see the whole situation of where Ijaz Tahir is saying hate is the starting point, when it's not the starting point. <laughs> hate is, is caused by something, and they tend to always ignore the starting point. So, you know, you can see my discomfort with even the idea of having hate speech laws at all. Why aren't we just defending life, liberty, and property and forget about all the hate? Uh, well, actually, that's the point, but with with Islam here, we have one contra, uh, one problem we've not faced before. In the Western world, we've spent years um, conditioning ourselves to be neutral about religion, and we expect most people who practice religions to actually practice it as individuals. And and you know mm -hmm. that sort of bifurcation that uh, is in Christianity mm -hmm. between you know Caesar and God. In other words, you, whatever your beliefs are, you practice them privately. 
Now, the, the problem in an Islam, is, it's, it's several folds, but Islam is, it is a religion for individuals. And individuals will cherry-pick their religion, cherry-pick what they choose, and work it to their own ends. But at the same time, it is also an ideology, and not just a religion. And it's an ideology that readily lends itself to use by aggressive people and by ideologues. And so we have this religion that is two things at once. And Islam itself has never been able to reconcile that. And they haven't got the mechanism to actually change uh, or re-examine the religion. So they, they don't change. And the rest of us, we don't know how to deal with something like this. Now, we could go back to basic principles, but that would also mean that we'd then be having to try and find a way to say, okay, Islam is an individual faith, fine. Islam is an ideology, not fine. And, and how do we actually do that? And there may be, there may be two ways. Uh, one of them is a total ban on Sharia law, period, in all its forms. In other words, you can practice Islam as an individual, mm-hmm. but the collective practice with the Sharia law code would have to be forbidden. Uh, I think the other point is to look at some of the groups that have been uh, um, behind Islam and have been working to make sure that we can't actually, uh, because in our immigrant societies, we've been able to accept almost everybody, and eventually everyone acclimatizes and joins in the society. But with, uh, say, the Wahhabi Dawah, with Tablighi Shemat, the Khomeinists out of the... uh, the Shiite faith, we've got these countervailing influences that are working to prevent that necessary degree of cultural assimilation that lets young Muslims get along with everybody else. And we've got to try and find a way of peeling that away from them. And again, that might be the uh, the, the, uh, the total ban on Sharia law might be a starting point. Now, in the in the conversation that Bill Maher had with those four students, it came. One of them mentioned that something has changed in Islam in the last 20, 30 years or so. I noticed a similar comment in your own publication of this month of the McKenzie Institute newsletter number 83, which includes an eight-page speech by um, Heart Builders to, I guess it was made in Rome, to the Club of Rome, was it? Um, To the uh, Magna Carta. Magna Carta, yes. And he makes an interesting comment. Quote, for 1,400 years, Westerners have been criticizing Islam and its founder because they recognized evil when they saw it. But then suddenly, in the last decades of the past century, especially from the 1970s onward, Western intellectuals stopped doing so. That's what's changed. Well, that's, again, part of the intellectual trend of the last 40 years. So doesn't that... This postmodernism and this, you know, relativism and the deconstruction and everything else. So... we, we've stopped calling, you know, black, black, and white, white. We don't, we're not as frank as we used to be. Mary Lou Ambrosio seems to vehemently agree <laughs> oh, with you here in absolutely. studio. absolutely. Yeah, no, these are all very important points. And, you know, and those, those out there who claim to make no judgment, they are, in fact, making a judgment by not speaking up about these important mm. issues. They just don't see it that way. They like to uh, claim some sort of higher... Uh, intent behind sure. it, but no. Well, that's, yeah, that's a, just a form of moral cowardice. You, yeah. know, that you yeah. have to recognize and confront you know, something wrong when you see it. And, mm-hmm. and this, is, it, this is the point about Islam as an ideology. But I guess also to that, that uh, the other point about Islam changing, there is a cycle in Islam. There are an awful lot of Islamic people who are not Arab. And when left alone, 
you know, this is the faith they've got, so they work it to meet their own needs. But then they, they bring in some of their own cultural practices and stray away from orthodox Islamic practice. And periodically in the Islamic world, what you then get is usually coming out of the Arabian Peninsula, where they regard Islam as, as a very sort of, you know, a personal, uh, their gift to the world. You get, get these, these sort of waves of uh, preachers trying to enforce orthodox practice on everybody else. And, and that's been a cycle for 14 centuries. But in the last 40 years, with the globalized environment and the oil money available in the Middle East, you know, you have the Saudi government pumping tens of billions of dollars a year into the Dawah movement of the Wahhabi sect, which has been going out and yanking the girls out of school and putting the shadours and head, you know, and uh, uh, the veils back on and basically enforcing their version of Orthodox Islam on the entire religion all across the world. Well, you know, that's the problem that we see facing us coming at us. But I think, isn't our biggest problem internal, really? I think our well, biggest problem have... is the intelligentsia here in this country. Absolutely. I was going to ma- use the example mm. of the American Pediatric Association, I think it was. only got about a minute or so before okay. we wrap Just up. Just very quickly. Mm-hmm. They decided that rather than say, you know, uh, female genital mutilation is a no-go, they said, what if we perform a ritual nick? That way we'll satisfy the parents and they won't uh, go do it themselves. Is that what we've come to? Instead of saying absolutely in this, in our culture, we do not accept this abhorrent, uh, barbaric practice, we're finding ways, the intelligentsia are finding ways to appease, Mm. you know. Well, you know, on first glance, everyone wants everyone to be part of the club. Isn't that natural? (laughs) But it seems to uh, not work out that way with when people have differing values, and that's the problem. I can't believe, folks, we're out of time already, Mary Lou. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Bob. And, um... Thank you as well, John. Are you still there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have you in the studio in a few weeks, hopefully, to talk about some broader issues and some other issues, maybe. So Look thank you all. Thank you all for joining us, and um, thanks for informing us. We have to go, and we've got to get out of here for another week. So you know, the rest of you know what to do. Hey, we're gone for another week. You know what to do. Be right, act right, stay right, and be right back here next week. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Some people read the Bible too much. Too much of anything isn't good for you. That's why you have fanatics who misinterpret the Bible. It's from reading it 150,000 times. You read green eggs and ham 150,000 times. You'll come up with all sorts of twisted ideas. I will not eat it in a house. I will not eat it with a mouse. Jews are the devil. Hmm.